0: Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This
0: is
2: Martina Navratilova.
3: I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray,
2: and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Well, we've just seen the best tennis match that the O2 Arena has ever seen, in my opinion. Catherine Whitaker is looking at me with wide eyes uh, at that uh, pronouncement because we've just seen uh, Dominic Team take out Novak Djokovic in a thriller of two hours and 46 minutes. And Team is into the semi finals for the first time in his whole life, and he collapsed. On his back in celebration at the end. Uh, Matt Roberts is here, and I'm delighted to say, formerly of the Telegraph, our partners, and now of the Athletic. Do you remember Charlie Eccleshare? Well, he's back. Hello, Charlie.
4: Hello, David. Uh, How are you doing? Y-
2: y- so you come for your one <laughs> night at the tennis, and you get that.
4: I know. It's the, it's like they knew they're trying to sucker me back in. Uh, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, definitely the best match I've watched at the O2. Um, told, yeah, they, told you. Yeah. Say. Well, but I didn't see that Vavrinka Federer one. Which I would guess would be the mm. main competitor. All like or to, the all
1: I'd the like matches that Matt out. had the great privilege of experiencing on his first ever trip to the O2. Yeah, Murray
5: Nadal semi-final, twenty eleven. Oh, 2011. 2011. oh I, thought I thought you were going
4: to say the Murray Rownish, the one
5: which, that went on and which on and on. The pre,
1: which was the so today's tonight's match was the longest since right Murray Rownish in twenty sixteen, which was three hours and thirty eight.
4: Yeah, was for it? a
1: three set match? Who was that? Murray Raonic, 2016, Blank. which
4: was the same year Murray played in Shikori, and that was yeah, that, that was really about not. three hours as well. Yeah,
1: mm. wow. And then his his hip died. <laughs>
2: well, yeah. Talking about Murray, uh, this match was so good. I forgot to tell you that Andy Murray's on this podcast in about half an hour's time. So keep listening. Don't fast forward. This bit's good, good too.
1: Um, we don't know that yet. Yeah,
2: <laughs> we've got an interview with Andy Murray coming up. All right. Okay. Right. So this match was if 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 somebody. Had, Given me an option of the type of match I wanted to see tonight, it would be exactly what we got because it was Dominic team deciding I've got to go red line hell for leather the whole match, and Novak Djokovic just saying I'm not going anywhere, and they just went toe to toe for two and two hours forty five minutes. So I think I mean briefly to sum up the match, Djokovic won the first time on a, t- a tie break team then just and that was after team had been redlining it and then he i still don't know how they do this he stomached that lost first set of an hour and six minutes went racing off to a three love lead in the second set levels the match i can't even remember what happened in the third set i mean i was commentating on it and i don't remember what happened tell me what happened
1: well do you remember a couple of years ago when when Djokovic played team and it was almost a mirror image. Team won the first set on a tie break and then I mean it he was He won two more games. Yeah, one two more it was rather more one sided from, from there on out. But um yeah in that match he failed to recover from the letdown after winning the tie break. So so the fact that he was sort of better able to mentally regroup today after losing the tie break, I mean
5: And we were watching it together, weren't we Catherine and after that first which, set.
1: Which apparently is the recipe for great tennis matches. We were going
5: through it, weren't we? Yeah,
1: do that every day. <laughs> <yeah>. mm.
5: This is <laughs> great. Sits we Loveringa. had chips. Yes, it was tremendous. Seats. Yeah, we had chips. We had chips. I tell you, it was a great night. <laughs> um, I, never, I never get chips. Anyway, come on. But we were saying... Oh, a
1: runner. Uh, the uh, Prime Video Runner was offering Matt refreshments.
2: You have a runner? I did this <laughs> yeah. evening. Matt Roberts. I'm not
1: allowed to leave the studio for 14 hours a day. On yeah.
2: BBC Radio, if we get a, a fill-up of our water bottle from the tap, <laughs> we're doing well. Anyway.
4: Didn't you think that with that team, because my mind went back to that match from 2016, it must have been, and I just thought he, he's just a completely different beast, though, no, now. Yeah. I mean, back then he was the kind of player who when he won a set against someone like Djokovic, you you did suspect that might be as good as it got mm. today well, it was he, he's like yeah i'm i'm here i'm on your level and i'm not afraid and he really stepped up and i thought that was just so impressive and, and that was exactly
5: what we were saying we said this can go one of two ways now he could be he could channel his inner dimitrov and <laughs> fall away in the second set or he can channel his inner nadal and get stronger as or more the match goes on, I think more
2: pertinently his inner Vavrinka. Because Vavrinka sure. has that diesel like um, Sure,
1: take my analysis. <laughs> make it better. To <laughs> make it better. Yeah.
2: See? Stan Stan's like his big brother, isn't he? Like it makes <laughs> sense yeah, and they really play a similar level
5: of hands. they say a similar style of tennis and Vavrinka has been the one who's always troubled Djokovic in the slams mm. and you could imagine team. Stepping into that role. And he has the the been a couple twice. of years. I mean, he's been him
4: twice at the French Open. Yeah. I, I, I'd almost forgotten that because obviously one was this year in that kind of extraordinary wind assisted match, and then yeah. the other was when Djokovic more or less tanked in the final set. But th- this was e- even, I think, felt this was even more exciting than that French Open match because mm. there wasn't that sort of wind distraction.
1: Yeah, that French Open match on paper looked thrilling, but yeah. I don't remember. I mean, it was intriguing and weird. It was weird a bit of an ordeal. Yeah, You know, another
4: similarity though with that match, on that occasion as well, team served for the match. And if I remember rightly, he was 40-15 up and just got broken in the blink of an eye, lost the next four points, went, having had those match points, and then won. Mm. So that kind of reminded mm. me, tonight he went and served for the match, didn't do it, and again you're thinking, well, that's that. And, and, then, and, and then played
5: the worst three points he'd played all match to start the final set tiebreak a missed easy volley, a double fault and another missed mm. volley. And you're thinking, oh. He was
1: channeling his inner Dimitrov. <laughs> yeah.
2: But can we rewind just that little bit? Was it the penultimate point of, of the, the second set? Oh.
1: It was that was one of my <laughs>
2: <laughs> It was so it's, good.
1: It's entered my top 10 tennis moments, live live watching moments. I
2: mean, basically when Djokovic is in that sort of retrieving mode, doesn't matter who you are, you have to hit more than one winner in a point. <laughs> yeah. He had to hit three winners, didn't mm. he? I think he. I think even when he went full on backhand uh, missile, it came back onto his toes on the baseline. And so, rather than stepping back, he just swiped a half volley forehand winner down the line. And I, I can't remember seeing at the O2 a crowd reaction quite like it. Just a combination of joy but utter disbelief of what I've, they were watching, witnessing. I've
1: definitely never seen a Dominic team reaction quite like it. He suddenly became the Incredible Hulk.
2: <laughs> he was waving the arms. Get he the crowd was going.
1: stoking up the crowd. He is the most mild-mannered sort of child man mm. you'll ever you'll ever see. I mean, even by the time he was speaking to Annabelle Croft in the post-match interview, which was sort of moments after this incredibly emotional Herculean effort he had reverted to being this sort of shy, shy kid in the corner. Yeah, it was, it was extraordinary. He, he did seem pretty pumped though, I thought. Like, he, much more
4: so than you... There are a few points of which yeah, he really let out that almost quite guttural... You know, almost like in a kind of Vavrinka. Uh, yeah. Kind of way, and it was it was great to see that because yeah he, he he I mean he normally shows emotion when he's just annoyed at himself. He's one of those I think sets such high standards. You know you'll see him react when he misses a shot that he thinks he should make.
1: God damn. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine's <laughs> first says that first of <laughs> the week.
5: <laughs> what does he say?
1: <laughs> Can't do it again. <laughs>
5: just <laughs> rewind on the podcast
1: 15 <laughs> seconds.
2: <laughs> I'm going to paste it in again. Um, the the thing you were saying about how he was letting out a lot, though, that to me is, is part of the change here he doesn't he gets into that deciding set and he's still bringing it and Djokovic was bringing it, that was one of the great sets of the year
4: mm. it was and you know he's to, I was thinking as well to back up that Federer win and then beat Djokovic mm. would he ever have done that? would he have beaten big three back to back? I mean it feels like it's just so rare that anyone does that um, so I mean you know it, it feels like a statement ahead of next year and, and although if, how often do people make statements yeah. here and then they <laughs> yeah. mean yeah.
1: absolutely n- again Dimitrov <laughs> yeah. Yeah. statement <laughs> yeah. um,
4: but
5: to me his tennis felt so sustainable like we've seen team play flashes of the most amazing tennis you can imagine and hitting winners galore with such power kind of blowing people off the court But he might sort of just do it in bursts. But he did this the whole match. He was just on it, relentlessly hitting the ball hard against Djokovic, who was his best self out Mm. there tonight. And I'm not sure we've seen that from team before. Even the match against Nadal at the US Open, which was five sets, he had a couple of sets in there where his level really dropped. And that's why it was such a long match. But his level did not drop tonight.
1: And we talk about his... Best tennis as being tennis that makes you gasp, or hearing fifteen thousand people collectively gasp mid-rally, mm-hmm. is is really quite something.
2: That and that's what I remember from various matches against Vavrinka that Djokovic has had. Yeah. I remember the one they had at the Australian Open the first time that Vavrinka did what the team did tonight and take him on and just rip winners and and take Take the racket out of his hand really
5: uh, there 's a video on youtube and it 's Matt the commentating and he 's just laughing in, in the <laughs> middle of the, in the middle of the points because of the shots Warink is coming up with and it 's the same with team yeah. We were, we were kind of living the match through a Dominic team fanatic in the in the row in front of us, and I think when you support team, you have to be prepared for high highs and low lows, <laughs> don't you? Because there's a lot of stuff that takes your breath away. And there's also a lot of stuff where you think, oh, why have you done that, Dominic? If are you are just slicing sli- your backhand? If you'd slightly reined it in, you'd have won mm. that point. And but- th- I mean, and just to give
2: an idea of how tense it was out there, I think, I think I'm right in saying that Djokovic twice got to two points away from victory mm-hmm. before team held on and then he had a chance to serve for the match
4: mm. um, There was also that point at which would have taken him to match point when team hit a forehand that was called out oh, yes. and so at that point it looked as though Djokovic had a match point, then it was overruled uh, challenged and Hawkeye showed it to be good, which was another amazing moment of tension as and everyone the, waited and,
5: and the other Hawkeye was on team's first Match point! Oh my! I mean, he, that was he, crazy. Thought, he thought he'd hit an ace,
1: and and he really it, didn't disguise how much he wanted it to be over. Then and that he, <sighs> usually a player would do a poker face and sort of try and yeah. try and give off a facial expression that says I don't need this to be in. I've got this, even if I if I have to hit a second serve. But his face said, if this isn't in, <laughs> I'm going to choke.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and he lost that point, didn't yeah. he? Because yeah. he, he had to then win it on the Djokovic serve.
1: We. Um, we all need to recreate exactly the same conditions from tonight on Thursday for Federer, Djokovic. Charlie, you have to come back. Matt and I need to sit and watch together yeah. with chips. And David, you need to be in the Five Live commentary booth.
5: For two and a half hours. Yes, very
1: important. <laughs> Which was but
5: amazing. That as well is the beauty of this result. It actually sets up mm. the t- rest of the tournament yeah. so much better because now we've got a Fedora Djokovic showdown Knock for second knockout essentially for that the semis brilliant. and the world number one situation is interesting again I can't get my head around it but I know it's interesting that's if how interesting it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can't get your head around it
1: if Nadal needs to win two more matches now
2: oh thank goodness Catherine's here Nadal needs to win two more matches Do you
4: think if he did win those two In the group he would just mic drop and leave
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah it turns out my abdominal muscle Is really hurting a lot So I'll see you later
2: That was splendid. Um, there was another match today. I can't remember <laughs> that. Um, the so, the, yeah, basically, team is through. He's going to play a dead rubber now against Matteo Berrettini, who's out. <laughs> it's,
5: it's in not, case anyone,
2: it's not going to be much sure of a that. I mean I mean, I mean,
1: Matteo Berrettini seemed sure before it was sure because we had him in the Prime Video studio. Uh, after his match and uh, he was already talking about his off-season plans <laughs> so bless him he seems
2: like a nice chap
1: doesn't he delightful chap
4: yeah really he'd also delightful. play three straight afternoon sessions which feels like a bit of a slap in the face <laughs> <laughs> He, th-
5: three times on BBC TV. <laughs> yeah, so, even you know. an, an afternoon session against Federer. <laughs> like, that <laughs> never happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes.
2: So he's had his experience, and now he's going to go home. Uh, but he was beaten in straight. So how, how, what was Federer like today?
1: I thought not that great. Um, in all honesty... Um, uh, Berrettini hasn't been good, has he? I think the the courts are too, <laughs> the courts are too quick for him. It's been quite a, an overwhelming experience. Um, I, I, I mean, he's he's the first to admit that. I think he's loved the experience, um, but he's he's pretty overawed by the whole thing. He he looks he's looked really exposed in the movement department and on his particularly on his backhand side. And and he's talked about that, hasn't he? He said that he he when he came off court against Djokovic on Sunday, he said to his team, I've I've got to get better. I want to get better. And they already started talking about the off season. So I I don't think Berrettini was particularly good today. Um, And Federer didn't need to be that good to beat him and wasn't. It was an improvement in the serving department on Sunday, but not off the ground. In my view, he's going to need to get better for for Thursday. Or he just needs all of us to be there to (laughs) to make sure it's a, a
2: A fireworks. Come on, we're not going to have Charlie the next time we're on (laughs) for that. So who's going to win that one,
4: Charlie? Djokovic, Federer. Djokovic Djokovic, is going to take him out. Yeah, I think he'll. Yeah, I I don't think I've seen enough of Federer yet to suggest. I mean, Djokovic played really well today. That's Mm. the thing. Like, he lost the match, but he was at a really good level and I he's, think anyone else he's winning that he so, stomped
2: off the court Djokovic yeah. he didn't even well, wave he, or anything
4: how, how rarely in his career can he feel like he's played a, mm. his you know a sort of 8, 9, 10 match and lost it just yeah. doesn't happen if Djokovic plays well he wins almost w- always w- what
2: would have happened had that gone 5?
4: <sighs> nobody that's knows that's a really good question
2: Catherine's looking at me as if saying, say but the thing is, the whole match question. would
1: have a different cadence to it if both players knew mm. that it was a best of 5 Yeah, match, I don't think you can apply that you can't get to the end of a best of three match and go, oh by the way chaps play on for another two
5: Catherine's appalled, Matt's laughing at me well David did that when he played me, I thought we were only playing one (laughs) set and then suddenly we were playing another one Well, I didn't win the The first one (laughs) the comparisons to
1: Law versus Roberts (gasps) they weren't uh, there tonight uh, just keep on coming Um, to two
5: all in the
2: first set (laughs) (laughs) look,
1: I think the facts are pretty clear on that Federer needs to up his game considerably to even make it a contest, I
5: think. But equally, we were saying, when those big three play against each other, they tend to play well against Mm. each other. They do tend to up their game, even if they've been a Mm. bit scratchy earlier on in the tournament. So I do think Federer will come out playing better than he has done in his first two matches, but I agree with Charlie. I think Djokovic's level is is higher at the moment.
1: Incidentally, the reason why the... the 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 pendulum has swung so much on the the year end number one thing is that you get a you get a, an undefeated bonus he's not just lost the 200 points for f, that he would have gained for this match you also get a bonus of mm, some some points some S- some, points. <laughs> some, <laughs> points, some points some points that would have made a, a a difference so it's actually it's actually really quite significant right
2: Okay, is there anything else anybody wants to say about tonight's epic before we get on to Andy Muck?
5: No. Okay. Matt? No. No, I mean, just that we implore these players so often to deliver against the likes of Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal. And how many times have we been pretty disappointed by a performance from one of them? So it, it feels right that we just Lord Dominic team as we have been yeah. for producing what he did tonight and because Lord, it was Lord fantastic.
2: them as a competition as well tonight because 19 out of 20 straight sets matches and uh, there we were you know it was fantastic what it took
4: was me coming <laughs> do, do we think uh, I mean obviously let him enjoy the moment does that do anything for how we think he will do at Grand Slam's next year. Does that or, or for the the, the, hope so. the field as a whole, you know, does that give them confidence or is it just still this best of three versus best of five? Not, not
5: the field, him.
4: You think just him? Yeah. I,
5: think, yeah. I think he's Agreed. a different animal. And he he's, yeah. he's been trending upwards for so long now and he just this just feels like another step, another mm. level he's gone up tonight. He's gonna get
2: to at least a Grand Slam semi- on something other than clay next year, and I'm going to
5: go for a Grand Slam final. Something other than clay is grass in that <laughs>
1: in, in that <laughs> conversation. Or yeah.
5: hardcore. Yeah. yeah, so he's so going to get to a Grand hardcore, Slam semi-on yeah. hardcore.
2: Might be might be grass.
1: I mean, Lukas Kubot hmm. reached a Wimbledon <laughs> <laughs> Cluted final. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, thanks exactly. for reminding me. I, <laughs> I right. think that
4: was like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, he hasn't done a non-clay semi-final, has he, team? No, his best is caught as that one against US Nadal Open. when Which he very nearly won. Which is not good
2: enough, is it? Nope. That is not good enough, Dominic.
4: No,
5: but he's Someone's uh, he, he
1: was ill at the U.S. Open this year. He was. He would. He would want me to mention that, I'm sure.
4: Yeah. Something I hadn't really realised, and I think I put him in my semis. <laughs> <traditions>.
5: <laughs> <laughs> but as Charlie said, his game is so much better now, and it's come on so much this year. If it feels like next year's his first go at the hard court slams with his new game
2: his slice backhand was working well today because it was a mixture Djokovic didn't know what was coming next he if he got stretched out wide he didn't panic he, did, he got himself back in the rally and waited until he had a chance to pull the trigger mm. Catherine
1: doesn't agree I don't I, I just don't think it does that much
2: it didn't need to it just diffuses it neutralizes it keeps the rally going until he can go bang. yeah Catherine's not
5: convinced.
1: I'd rather see her feet off the ground into our backhand winner <laughs> know, where, no, possi- where
5: possible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you can't do feet off the ground, single-handed backhand winners every stroke, can
5: you? <laughs> Yet <Yeah>, see Shavavalo. <laughs>
2: so you can try. try. Right. OK, well, there's enough highlights for Catherine to have her own personal reel of Dominic team from the night. So, Andy Murray um, was at his Castor... Uh, shopping outlet that has just opened in Kings Road in Chelsea. It's, uh, launching his new clothing line. Do so you
1: want to preview tomorrow's matches?
2: Well, we'll do that afterwards.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
2: well, we're talking Andy Murray now because Andy Murray was uh, in attendance um, at, uh, at this uh, shopping outlet in, in Kings Road, Castor, uh, which is new clothing, clothing label, and he had his new logo on show, which was AMC.
1: I've been confidently saying Castore for the last 12 months. Anyone so else I. been getting that wrong? I thought
4: it was Castore as well. Okay, so maybe I've just got it wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows the name. But
4: mine's not based on any, not, no, besides no, just complete either. guesswork. You've
1: I've been in a Castore shop. Well, do you know so I,
2: I think I no. used it first, and you all copied, and we were all getting it wrong, right. probably, <laughs> is, is what I'm, I'm saying. Yeah,
5: I've, I feel like I've heard Castore. Right. Okay.
2: Right. Well, well we'll we'll check that folks. Um, but it looks nice, the
1: new the new, the new whatever clothing. it's called.
2: Yeah, so go and have a look at it. Uh, if you wanna see Andy Murray's new clothing line.
1: It's it's really it's nice. Very nice. I, I hope some of it is available in sweat-wicking fabrics yes. for, for Andy's sake.
2: I, I'm sure it is. Uh, anyway, he was in, he was in very jolly spirits. You can have a have a listen to what he said to the assembled media, media of which uh, I was one. I think, and of course, he's a new dad again, third time in four years. And the first question was about that. How's it all go?
3: Yeah, it's been good. Um, yeah, just it's just busy with um, you know we've got three three kids under four. Now uh, and two dogs, so you've got to keep an eye out all the time. But yeah, it's been it's been, been good, sleeping fine, and everyone's healthy. Have a name? Uh, Teddy, oh, yeah. Nice.
2: Is that family wow.
3: connection or anything? No, um, middle name is when my, my middle name got in there, which I don't actually love the name, but my dad's middle name is Baron, uh, his dad was Baron, my granddad's dad, so yeah, kept that. Um, but yeah Teddy no my wife liked that so she chose it (laughs) is it well received by siblings yeah uh, this time around has been really good actually first time when we went from one to two it was like the first week or so was a bit well, I don't know what it is, guess a bit of jealousy and stuff, but this time round, they've, they've been brilliant. It's been good. One more for Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope not, but...
2: <laughs> <laughs> does that, what onus does that put on you when you travel a lot and you've got an expanding family? How does that change the dynamic, if anything, in the last...
3: Yeah, one? I, I've actually... Uh, I guess in the last... probably in the last year or so, when when we travelled originally with um, our first daughter I guess selfishly like it was something that I really wanted to be around my daughter as much as possible but actually after the after we went to Australia the first time with her and um, actually lost lost early there um, to to Zverev it it was a really long trip and Went home earlier than expected, and for the first sort of week, eight days, you know, I didn't particularly like seeing my daughter like wait, trying to wake her up in the middle of the day, and she's completely out of it. Um, so, yeah, decided that like wouldn't really be doing any long haul trips anymore um, because it was better for them. So, you know, it's something that yeah, I have to factor in like when I'm looking at scheduling and planning like even for you know for next year also my off season like you know how much time to, to spend away uh, from home there too so it's definitely something that you know I'm a lot more aware of now and you know will be factoring into any decisions that I make with regards oh, to you tennis No I mean I think sh- short haul like definitely like in in and around Europe occasionally but you know also my, my daughter's at school just now and she's She's really happy there, um, and yeah, I don't think it's fair to, I don't know, start pulling her around everywhere when you know she's she's happy and settled like uh, at home just now. So they'll definitely come from time to time around Europe, but long haul, don't think so. I Remember you saying a few years ago, one of your ambitions was to have your children seeing you play. Mm. Does that apply to Teddy as well? Does that make keep you going an extra few years Is
5: that on that basis? <laughs>
3: I don't know when we'll stop Um, so yeah I mean I guess like now as well like after the last couple of years and stuff it'd be nice if they did but it's not that isn't a priority for me you know I guess a lot of that stuff is kind of you know selfishly I would like to watch them for me to play but ultimately it's not actually that important so um, yeah I mean hopefully I can get a few more years out of my my body and see what happens after that.
5: Did the did the girls watch the Antwerp final? Because they really have never really had a chance to see you, you know, being so happy winning titles in a tennis court.
3: Um, I think they were having dinner at Wagamama's uh, <laughs> during, the, during the final. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they were watching. I mean, they, they've obviously seen me on the tennis court, like on the TV and stuff recently over the last couple of months. But... Um, yeah, I'm not sure they've got the patience to sit and watch a, a tennis match
2: How did you um, how did your body sort of front up after that sort of big exertion of four weeks uh, and did you take complete sort of rest after Antwerp
3: Yeah I, I took um, I didn't do anything for like 12 days literally nothing um, got up to my heaviest weight um, okay. that I've been in my my career probably as well so um, yeah I, my elbow was pretty sore afterwards um so i needed to take a break um because of that um as well obviously baby came uh came to sort of five six days after we got back from antwerp so um but yeah overall it was pretty good um in terms of how how the body felt um just i had this this problem with my elbow um which started in in asia and it was quite an, an odd injury. Don't know exactly how I got it, but um, yeah, that seems to be seems to be getting better now.
5: Are you still weighing up going to Miami for the training block, or do you think that with everything going on at home, that's not something you want to do?
3: I think I'm going to go, but just not for that long. I think I'm going to do like 12 to 14 days there. So from like uh, like the 5th, 6th of December to like 20th of December and then coming home and spending um 5 6 days we're actually going up to Scotland for for Christmas um and then I'll head over to Australia I think leaving on the 27th um so yeah whereas usually I would have gone probably 3 3 to 4 weeks um yeah just reducing that a little bit and spend a little bit more time at home over Christmas as well, which would be nice
1: How, how do you feel your your fitnesses Andy in terms of five set matches, just you know, thinking ahead to Australia and you're playing five set matches and potentially playing you know, a number of five set matches in a row
3: Yeah, so that, that's the thing, I, I don't know exactly how that'll be, I'm actually not worried from the hips perspective because I've had zero issues with it so far, so I don't I don't anticipate that, you know, playing an extra 45 minutes or an hour um, will will be bad for my hip. You know, the rest of my body, how that responds, I'll see when when I'm out there. You know, my physio has always been more positive about me playing grand slams and playing a tournament where you play five days in a row. He loves the fact that there's a day off to rest and actually recover and your body gets a chance to, you know... Yeah, actually rest up before the next match. Whereas sometimes, like in Antwerp, you know, where you're playing back-to-back days, sorry, there, there's no, you know, there's no chance to to do that. So I guess I'll see see how it responds when I'm over there. But also, you know, I wouldn't be anticipating that I'd be playing seven you know best of five set matches there like maybe previously would have been my my expectation you say you put on weight after answer was that just by not training or did you treat yourself or pig out or do any particular? so it was evenings were the issue because when the newborn's been going to bed at like seven he's like sleeping for like a three-hour period and my wife would sleep upstairs and get like a little period of like good sleep, sleeping before the baby would wake up, and I'd be on my own downstairs and just chocolate biscuits and <laughs> stuff. And yeah. then there was Halloween, and I had my our second daughter's birthday party was in there. Um, then also my sister in law had birthday, so there's lots of just cake and junk and. No training is not a good, not a good combination.
2: Can you
3: I was 88 and a half kilos, and I'm normally about 84.
2: So was that your off-season in a in a way? Yes. Yeah, so because I mean you're pretty much going at it from here on. I suppose
3: I'm going to take probably five or six days off after Davis Cup, and then I'll I'll train. I'll probably get about three weeks training in. Um, Yeah, three weeks training in from, like, the beginning of December through until the 21st, 22nd, and then I'll have a little break again there. But that's something that, yeah, I'm doing quite differently, like, in terms of days off or, like, a period of days off in a row, which I wouldn't have done beforehand. Certainly I'm starting to try and do that a bit more. But because I'm doing that, I now need to watch what I'm eating a bit better. You know, finishing up all the kids' leftovers and stuff like that. I actually don't. The dogs normally get them. The dogs normally get them.
2: How, how much are you looking forward to the Davis Cup, even though you've obviously got stuff going on at home? Is that, is that the same feeling that you've had before other Davis Cup ties?
3: Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and intrigued to see what it's going to be like in the new format. I'm going to miss the atmosphere because I... I don't think the atmosphere is going to be the same as what it was in some of the home ties. And even, you know, in the away ties that I played, you know, the atmospheres are tough, but they're atmospheres that you've, like when I finished playing, like you, I remember, I remember like the Belgian final and when I played my first Davis Cup in Israel and stuff like that. So I'm going to miss that. But I love being around the team and being around all of the players. And um, I'm excited to see what the new format looks like and I hope the atmosphere is brilliant. That's just my one concern about it, that I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to be. But from what I hear, we've sold a lot of tickets and we're going to have quite a decent, you know, fan base um, over there. But then how does that work if we get through to this quarterfinals? Like, who, you know, who has tickets for that? Like, how many people that have come over for Wednesday, Thursday? How many of them can stay? You know, so we'll, we'll see got it it'll be interesting to see how it goes
5: last couple please
3: what's the realistic ambition target for you and the team then in the Cup? I mean I genuinely hadn't given it any thought in terms of the big like the group stages I think we've got you know a good chance in the groups I think um, you know on paper it might look like we have the strongest team but like in Kazakhstan have got two very good singles players around 50 in the world um you know, and, and play well. And then Holland have got really strong doubles, and Robin Haas, who's been struggling singles-wise this year, but you know he he can play well. He's a really talented guy. So I think we can get through the groups if everyone you know performs and plays well. But it's not, you know, it's not not a gimme um, for us because you know they, there's some some good combinations there in terms of Kazakhstan singles and Dutch doubles. So we'll need to. We'll need to play well to, to get through
2: it. 12, 12 months from now, Andy, what what do you think you would regard as success between now and then?
3: <laughs> I mean, I know it's probably not the answer that you'd be looking for, but I, like, I, I would want to be healthy. Um, that's what I would want. And, you know, like, I think over the last six months or so, definitely, last six to nine months, like, you realise like what really is important and like the reason remember like why I started playing tennis in the first place and what the reasons for that were and you know I played tennis when I was a kid through you know and obviously all my professional career and I, I played it because I really loved tennis and I really enjoyed playing and being healthy allows me to to do that and it's nice being able to win big competitions and having a high ranking and stuff that's that's great but actually the reason why i'm playing is because i love it and i need to try and remember that so if i'm 30 in the world or 70 in the world like if i'm still enjoying it and i'm enjoying the preparations and the training and all of that stuff and i feel competitive then you know that that would be, be success for me um but I need to remember that sometimes it's difficult. You know, when you start playing, competing, and losing matches, and you know, you really, you know, you want to do better. So um, that would be success if I could stay stay healthy and hopefully stay stay on the court. That's the
5: running, trying to give me the confidence that I can play to a consistently high level,
0: or is it still kind of day-to-day thing as it was before?
3: Um, no, look, I, th- I think that I can. I think my body showed that I'm going to be able to, to do that. Um, that I'll be able to play at a high level. Um, so th- and, and that's where I just I need to be smart with like my scheduling and the amount of tournaments that I play and also like being a, a little bit, you know, the beginning of the year, reactive in terms of, like, you know, if I plan on playing three tournaments, let's say, in the first couple of months of the year, but I only win one match in each of the tournaments, well then I could add a tournament but if I end up doing really well then maybe I'd play a tournament less um, which in the past I wouldn't have done that I would have like, had my schedule and it would have been like right I have to play in Indian Wells and Miami because that's what the tour says and you know they're mandatory events and you must play them whereas I'm not going to be not going to be looking at my schedule and my tournament year like that at all anymore I'll do it quite differently
0: Thanks I just want to and biscuit
2: game again. <coughs> uh, That's a subject close to my heart.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was, uh, was it liberating to live like a normal person, or did it make you fear retirement and think, "Oh God, this could be my life after tennis when I'm not driven"? When you're just
3: sitting there. Uh, You'll probably kill me for saying this, but we'd always say that I don't want to to end up what happened with Ivan. <laughs> I know if you put that in your papers, I know I'll get a message from him tomorrow. But, yeah, because he was obviously, when he was playing, he was, you know, in great shape and very thin. And then obviously when he stopped, um, you know, things went south. Um, so, yeah, need to need to avoid that.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
2: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life, and of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com/tennis. That's homechef.com/tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So there's Andy Murray talking to us lot in the uh, in the shop. Um, nobody got any free stuff. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: And that's why we failed to clarify (laughs) exactly how to pronounce the name of the brand. We would, we just don't know.
2: Uh, He sounds in good spirits, doesn't he? Don't you
1: think?
4: He he sounded really chirpy and um, it's all all looking good. I still can't really believe it. Like the idea of him still being a professional tennis player. (laughs) Like it's just mad, isn't it? When you actually suddenly think about that Bautista match. And I mean, he had like his own farewell celebration.
1: (laughs) He went to his own own funeral. Yeah. <laughs> he did,
2: yeah. Oh, dear. That is amazing. Um, how do you? I, I asked him about the success story, didn't I? About, you know, 12 months from now, what would success be? And what do you think success would be for Andy Murray? Take away that obviously, yes, we, he wants to be healthy. I totally get that from his perspective. What do you realistically think we're going to be looking at from Andy Murray in 12 months' time? <coughs> Fitness permitting. I think,
4: yeah, it is so, look, looking at the slams, I think if next year he got a quarterfinal, that would be a really fantastic result. I think anything beyond that is optimistic. It's not impossible because it's Andy Murray, but I would, to me that seems about the level. I found
2: it absolutely fascinating the way he said his trainer, Matt Little, thinks that he will be better suited now to Grand Slams than he would to tour events because he's playing every other day rather than every day. So the best of five set element is less of a concern than the everyday element.
5: And, and how amazing to hear him use the words, I'm not concerned about the hip, as he did in that little discussion. You know, he's confident that the hip will hold. It's getting his strength back, getting all the other factors of his fitness back that is the bit of the unknown. But just to hear him say those words where he's probably not stopped thinking about the hip for three years, the fact that it's no longer even a consideration really when he Mm. steps on court is completely remarkable.
2: I'm still slightly concerned about things like the elbow Mm. and and stuff like Mm. that, that how much wear of tear on the the rest of the body, those compensatory injuries going to go... We won't know that, of course, until he starts playing. But oh, it's nice seeing him looking just such good spirits and and, and looking forwards. And now, yeah, he's, he doesn't need to do. He's, he's got his documentary coming out, which will chronicle exactly what he's been through. But basically, he is a proper tennis player again.
4: I mean, what would Parr beat the Australian Open third round? I mean, obviously, it depends a lot on his draw because he'll be unseeded. Yeah. But there'd be no—you you couldn't really be disappointed, could you? I mean, I think that it, would be a It's imp-
1: really difficult with him. It's, it's all about the draw. It's such a if, copy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. If, if but yeah. we looked at his draw
2: and it, and we we ended up just going, that's not too bad. Like
1: I would Matt be, did in Antwerp.
2: I would be disappointed mm, if he didn't everyone. make the second week. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I agree. With a good yeah. win behind him, I'd say fourth round.
2: Yeah. If he plays Novak Djokovic in the first round,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that is
2: possible, he'd, right? He'd, yeah, yeah, you know, he he's going to be unseated, so
5: Yeah, yeah, we would give him a free pass if he lost that one.
2: <laughs> Particularly after that that practice match. Yeah, that was what year. did for
4: him last year. You
2: know yeah. that, that one you witnessed. Oh dear, that it was sh- so sombre.
1: Oh, it was yeah, it was hideous. It's uh, I, I, I th- and I, I, horrible for Djokovic as well. Yeah, I think a having weird to situation. To I think yeah. that's
4: an interesting counterfactual, though, because I think if he hadn't played... I think the only thing that forced him to go so public with everything that was going on was because he played that practice mm. match and everyone had seen it. Like be- He was I- able to hide all of that. And that's a then. uniquely it,
1: Australian Open it, thing, yeah, isn't it? That they the advertise these uh, practice matches, it, yeah. It
5: is one of the great unknowns of this year why he agreed to do that match, that practice match, in mm. my opinion. Bizarre. I, it was so public.
2: Don't you think it's classic Murray, though? Almost just... Flogging himself publicly just to find out where I am. You know, I'm not going to just do it against some any old person.
1: I think possibly his subconscious was telling him that he needed a reality check.
4: Yeah, well, that's what I want. Or, yeah, and almost like you, ne- you just need to come out and
1: yeah, hit rock bottom mm, before yeah, you can just go public resurface. With this stuff. See well, what I did yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> Very I should good. come up with documentary names.
5: <laughs> I, I also really liked Murray's attitude to the Davis Cup in that clip we just heard. How many people we've heard completely writing it off before it's even started, and Murray, with such a, such a wise voice, is saying that there are concerns about it, but I'm equally, I'm really excited to play it. I want to give it a chance. And I thought that was really quite refreshing, and thank goodness Murray's back to say smart things like that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's very twenty nineteen, isn't it, that everyone just feels compelled to pick a lane and mm. commit to it stridently with imperfect knowledge. Mm.
2: I've I've checked on the ticket sales by the way, after because he, he was wondering what happens after the group phases. Um and they've they've said that, you know, that there will be tickets put aside for the nations that that actually get through so that they have their chance to, to get some. Um, and as things stand, the semi-finals and final are selling well over seventy-five percent at the moment, yeah. um, which you know, which is not bad. Yeah, that's, is it? So that's pleasing. You know, so hopefully it will be a, a really good crowd uh, in Madrid. The other talking point that we didn't get a chance to, to cover last night because we were on air at the time on the tennis podcast when Rafa Dadao came into his press conference was the exchange he had with Ubaldo Scanagata the Italian mm. journalist who Do you asked, miss
1: Ubaldo Scanagata Charlie? <laughs> um, he, he was, is there an Ubaldo Scanagata in football?
4: don't think there's a, quite an equivalent No well, uh, <laughs> One
1: in, of a kind In the
2: last of the English language questions Ubaldo who, who is somebody who has this long-winded way of asking questions and he goes all sorts of different routes and never completely sure which way he's going to get go but does end up often getting quite interesting answers in almost in spite of himself but 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 he does um we you know there's often answers that we end up using um he said something, I didn't quite understand it, but, but he was kind of questioning uh, whether Nadal's poor performance might be due to being distracted by having got married last week. Um, and Yubelda got Jumped on on social media because Rafael Dadao's reaction was to call it bullshit—a bullshit, bullshit question—and yeah. um, we go move, to Spanish
1: now. Let's move. It's on bullshit to question. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
2: just from from a, a a journalistic perspective, Charlie, I saw Stu Fraser from the Times actually said, you know, he thought it was a perfectly legitimate question. Um, what did you think?
4: It's one of those. I mean, if I were thinking about asking that question, I would be very wary, and I would think there's a decent chance I'm going to get shot down here. He might have thought there's a chance i I'll get a good answer, and if I do, then that's a really good story um, it's it's a bit it's obviously it can feel a bit inappropriate or whatever. I just kind of think you can ask the question, but then it's also fair enough and a doubt to slap it down yep. like I kind of in, in a way I just think. You, we don't even have to make anyone the bad guy. It's just he's asked a question and he's got a response and mm-hmm. kind of move on. And, you know, he, did, he probably... I don't know. I, I don't really know what he was expecting Nadal to say. You know, like, yes, you're right. I was dropping it short because...
1: <laughs>
4: because I
1: married my girlfriend of 15 yeah, years. Also, yeah, also, like...
4: And my wife is here, but, like, I would say, like, for me... <laughs> the admin of getting married beforehand was far more distracting. Like, I don't I could think, think like, did
1: yeah, the yeah, admin. I exactly. Exactly. I,
4: No, I don't imagine he was like slaving over seating plans and flowers. But like, you know, <laughs> Wedmin is stressful and time-consuming. <laughs> getting married in the aftermath, not so much. He
1: just showed up in a suit. Wedmin is a new word
2: for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning all sorts. Um, but, what, what do you both think?
1: I think it was a bullshit question. I think that sometimes bullshit questions get good quotes. So, and, uh, and um, a lot of journalists are prepared to, to take the hit of, you know, getting a getting a chastening response in order to get the good quotes. And, and sometimes that's we're very grateful for that, aren't we? And that's mm. great. Um, but I do think it was a bullshit question. I mean, I...
2: Personally, I, I didn't particularly like the question, but I have—I don't really have a problem with him asking it. Uh, as, like you say, as long as he's prepared to get slapped down, I think it's perfectly fair enough what Nadal did, and I'm quite pleased he did it as well because it was quite entertaining. And um, yeah, all's fair as long as you you take it on the chin, which Yabaldo incidentally didn't.
1: He does—he <laughs> does do those slap downs really well. Nadal hmm. doesn't he? Yours yeah, that if, one, if,
4: uh, me. Uh, <laughs> false. False.
1: Yeah. That, well, I, I, that in, was, in fact, this year, yeah, that was um, it's
4: coming to his own. This
5: oh year. yeah,
1: yeah. he was
4: asked if he'd if he'd call, if he'd said like son of a bitch, and he was like, me, yeah. swear, false.
1: <laughs> so good.
4: Yes. If
1: if Kyrgios trained as hard as you, what? No. Yeah. If 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 <laughs> 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 meaningless. Right. And then, of course, the horrifying admission that he doesn't like cheese. Yeah, well, it's extreme. been a big year for Nadal <laughs> press conference totally moments. Unac-
2: unacceptable uh, okay well d- so very quickly then the preview of tomorrow what have we got tomorrow I don't even know
1: Medvedev, Nadal
2: oh well right okay who's winning that
4: I would say Medvedev I
2: am going to say Medvedev Matt's got his head in his hands <laughs> Matt you can go on to the next one if you like who's that Zverev against Sitsipas. Oh, I mean they're both tough to call tomorrow I think
1: yeah
5: um, we don't do... Can I predict Team instead?
1: Berrettini instead?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Can I... I mean, Sitsipas got a really good record against Zverev. He seems to cause him trouble, so I, I think I might go Sitsipas. I'm going
2: Zverev and Medvedev, yeah.
4: I think Sitsipas, yeah. Sitsipas and Medvedev.
1: Zverev and Medvedev.
2: You and me, I'm going to give
5: yeah. a, I'm going to give a nod to Nadal.
1: So does that mean we've all have we all got... gone
5: different combos?
1: No, I think no. Dave and I have gone the uh, same.
5: What? Yeah, that mm.
1: doesn't happen. <laughs> so hang, on, we've all got Nadal, apart from Matt crashing out of the tournament yes, tomorrow. Correct. Right. False. <laughs> um, by the way, I... no one will know this, but Charlie did the eyebrow <laughs> as well. So
2: a mention. <laughs> he did! We've got to get a picture of that. Uh, final point. Uh, I've found out you are right about boomers, Catherine. Uh, I'm not one. Uh, 1946 to 1964. Yeah, it's a baby boomer. Yeah, it's not, yeah. not me.
1: That's not an urban dictionary thing. That <laughs> phrase has been around literally since
2: 1946. Well, a big <laughs> thank you to <laughs> Sherry Nashif, who has sent me a link with all sorts of contextual phrases that I didn't understand.
1: You're in the. So. I'm a millennial. I'm Generation
2: X. You're Generation yeah, the one before that. The Resolution Foundation think tank defines Gen X as those born between 1966 and 1980. They grew up in a time when technology was advancing fast, but it wasn't nearly as readily available as it is today. Because of this, the generation straddles both the the digital and non-digital world and understands the importance of both. I am, therefore, resourceful, logical and a good problem solver. People are tuning out. <laughs> Hang on,
1: so everybody born between <laughs> the years, what, yeah. 1964 and 1980? 66
2: and 80, yeah. It's is like broader is than a resourceful a horoscope. and
1: a good problem solver.
2: That's me. Find out well, where you are, folks. <laughs> is what, is what, what it's all about. Okay, Charlie, well, it's been lovely to have you with us on the Tennis Podcast. Lovely to be here. And uh, how's it going at the Athletic?
4: It's going very well, thank you, yeah. Into my, I think, seventh week and, uh, yeah, very much enjoying it. Good man. Well, we
2: love reading your stuff. We love hearing you on the tennis podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Catherine and Matt will be back tomorrow. We are brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y. We'll be back tomorrow where Catherine and Matt will have sat together eating chips, watching matches. That's all that's ever going to happen here at the O2 Arena because that's how we get classics. We'll see you tomorrow.